Hey friends, welcome back to the catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm Over the last two and a half years since the COVID pandemic started, people have had more questions than answers. People have been asking questions like, why is this happening to us? How dangerous is this disease? How do we stop the spread? Is the cure worse than the disease? Who do we believe? Who do we trust? And what should we really be doing to protect ourselves? Some have found the answers to be lacking. This has frustrated people and has led to anger, suspicion, and a lack of trust. Some people feel like they just can't seem to get the answers that make sense to them that they can believe in. When we come to chapter 6 in the book of Judges, we see the same kind of thing. It's been over a hundred years now since the death of Joshua, and Israel was living in this messy, in-between period where they had a lot of questions, but not a lot of answers. They were wondering, how do we keep ending up in the same mess? Has God abandoned us? Can we really make our situation any better? How do we do that? And who will lead us? In Judges chapter 6, we are introduced to a new judge, a new leader by the name of Gideon. And this chapter addresses four questions that Gideon and the Israelites were asking at this time. The first question is, Again, Judges 6, 1 through 10 says this, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. 
It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. We see this cycle of sin repeating itself in the life of Israel. The Israelites forgot who God is. They disobeyed God. They turned to idols. They were oppressed by another country. They finally cried out to God, and God sent a new leader. In this case, God sends them a new prophet. Instead of sending them a savior or salvation, God sent them a sermon. Before they can appreciate the rescue that will come, the people need to understand why they need rescuing. The prophet comes and helps them understand why they are in the trouble they are in. He wants them to understand where their idolatry has led them. God wants to convict them so the people will be truly repentant. This suggests that when the people cried out to God in verses 6 and 7, they may not have been truly repentant. It seems as if the people are regretful, but not repentant. Worldly sorrow or regret does not produce real change but repentance does. Regret is the sorrow over the consequences of sin, but not over the sin itself. So when the consequences go away, the bad behavior comes back. Regret can keep people stuck in the sorrow of the past, but repentance keeps, helps people to move past what has happened. Regret is all about us, and repentance is all about God. So God begins this chapter by sending a prophet to move people from regret to repentance in response to their question again. The second question of this chapter is the question, why? God, if you are with us, why is this happening? Verses 11 through 13 says, The angel of the Lord came down and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? 
where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Here, an angel tells Gideon that God is with you, but Gideon questions whether that's really true. Since God has given them into the hands of Midian, he assumes that God is not with them. We tend to make the same mistake. We tend to see our troubles as evidence that God has left us. Instead of asking how God is working in them and through them for our good. We tend to ask, God, why don't you remove this problem from my life? Instead of asking, God, please make me the kind of person who can handle this kind of problem. Sometimes we get stuck asking God, why is this happening to me? The third question in this chapter is the question, how? Verses 14 through 16 says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. God tells Gideon he is the one he will send to save his nation. But Gideon doesn't want to go. Gideon doesn't have the confidence to be a leader. He says his family is the weakest in the tribe, and he is the least in his own family. He doesn't think he's up to the task. But the angel of the Lord calls him a mighty warrior. That means that Gideon is a mighty warrior, even though he doesn't feel like a mighty warrior. He doesn't realize who he is, and he doesn't think he's up to the task. But God tells him, I will be with you. You will succeed. God will give him the wisdom and the strength that he needs so he doesn't need to be afraid. Gideon is correct in thinking he can't save Israel in his own strength. But because he has God's strength, he cannot fail. The story shows us that God does not call those who are equipped. He equips those who he calls. If God calls you to do something, he will give you everything you need to do it. If God tells you to do something, you will not fail. The fourth and final question of this chapter is the question, will you give me a sign? Judges 6.17 says, Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Gideon is still not eager to go into battle. 
He's not chomping at the bit to become Israel's leader. He's not seeking the limelight. He's not after fame and attention. He's nervous. He's hesitant. And he wants to make sure that he really is talking to God. So he asks God for a sign. Gideon then prepared a goat and some unleavened bread and presented it to the Lord. It burst into flames and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Since he had seen the angel of the Lord face to face, he thought he was going to die. But God said, do not be afraid. You will not die. So he built an altar to God to worship him as a sign of gratitude and as a sign of the growth in his faith in God. After this, God told Gideon to tear down the altar that his father had built to worship the false god Baal. But Gideon was afraid of going against something his dad cared about, and he was afraid of how the people of his town would react. So he took ten of his servants, and he went out at night and tore down the altar. The next morning, the people of the town were so angry they wanted to kill him. And even though he went against his father, his dad stood up for him. His dad said that the god Baal could defend himself if he wanted to. So all the people went home. It shows us that Gideon still didn't feel confident and ready to take on the big tasks God was asking him to take on. He's still nervous and anxious and hesitant. He goes in the middle of the night so people won't see him. He takes 10 people with him. He tries to fly under the radar. It doesn't work. He's a very reluctant leader. God keeps pushing him into the limelight he isn't seeking. It also shows us that Israel's problem was not that they had abandoned God for the worship of other idols. The problem was that they had combined the worship of God with the worship of idols. They never rejected God. They just added the worship of other idols into the mix not realizing that this was just as bad. Before they can throw off the enemies around them, they have to throw off the enemies among them. This is always the main way of renewal in our lives. God will not help us out of our obvious visible problems until we see the idols we are worshiping right beside God. They have to be removed first. Gideon is being told he needs to make God the Lord of every area of his life. We are not to add anything to Jesus Christ as a requirement for our salvation. As Gideon continues to ask the question, will you give me a sign? We come to the famous story of the two fleeces. Before he goes into battle, he puts a wool fleece on the ground. He asks God to put dew on the fleece and not on the ground in the morning. 
And if God does that, then he will know that God is with him and he can go into battle. God answered his prayer. And the next morning, it was exactly what Gideon had prayed for. But Gideon is still hesitant, so he asks for one more sign from God. He asks for the reverse the next morning. He asks that the dew be on the ground and that the fleece would be dry. And the next morning, it was so. It's easy to misunderstand Gideon's actions here. Some people have asked God for a sign like Gideon did. If I am supposed to take this job, let me get a phone call from them today. God, if you want me to stop at the donut store and buy some donuts on my way to work this morning, please let there be an empty parking spot in front of the store. And sure enough, on my 10th trip around the block, there was an empty parking stop. So I guess that was a sign God wanted me to buy donuts. We need to be careful. In Matthew 4, Satan asked Jesus to test God by asking God for a sign. But Jesus wouldn't do it. He rebuked Satan instead. So what's going on here? Gideon was specifically asking God to show him he was not one of the forces of nature like the other gods that people were worshiping. He was asking if God was sovereign over the forces of nature. Gideon was not looking for little signs to help him make a decision. He was really seeking to understand the nature of God. We have to remember he didn't have the Bible nor the means of grace that we have today. He didn't have the word, baptism, communion, or Christian fellowship. He was immersed in a culture that followed after other gods. He was specifically addressing the places where his faith was weak and uninformed. The story is not a justification to ask for little signs and signals from God. That's not what Gideon was doing. He was asking for a supernatural revelation from God to show him who he really is. So this is not about how to make a decision. This is about how we need a big picture of who the living God really is. Living today, we have a huge advantage over Gideon because we have the Bible, we know Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within us. Gideon had none of that. Gideon was asking God for the help he needed to build up his faith. God, in his grace, responded not once, but twice. When we make the same request, God graciously responds by pointing us to the fullest, final revelation of his character and his purposes. He points us to his son, Jesus Christ. 
And when we, like Gideon, find ourselves doubting God's promises or God's presence, we can ask him to point us once again to his son, like the man in Mark 9.24 did, who told Jesus, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. This is what Gideon needed and received. And God will do the same for us. Judges 6 reminds us that we're all going to be asking these big questions of life. Why are we in trouble again? Why is this happening to us if God is with us? How can I do something I don't have the confidence to do? And God, will you give me a sign? God moved Gideon beyond his fears and his lack of self-confidence to become the leader he didn't think he could be. God can move us beyond our fears and give us the self-confidence we need to become the leaders we don't think we can be. And we don't need to ask for signs anymore because God has already revealed himself to us in his word and in his son. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.